Hello and welcome to CAA Conversations. I'm your host, Stuart Robinson, Assistant Professor of Art Education at Southern Utah University. I'm joined today by Christy Oliver, Assistant Professor of Art Education at University of Massachusetts Dartmouth, and Mitchell Blessing, Assistant Professor in the Department of Technology, Art, and Design at Bemidji State. We're talking today about technology. Mitchell, let's begin with you. Tell us about technology and its integration in your art department. Thanks, Stuart. Uh, the School of Technology, Art and Design kind of came around because our art department was flagging and the industrial design uh, department sort of incorporated us in. And what that's done for us is exposed our graphic design students to the engineering and project management students and traditional like shop technology students. And so what we've got now going on, our graphic design students are able to go downstairs into what we call downstairs, where the guys wearing the camouflage and the, and the racing hats are. And uh, they're instructing helping uh, co-teach on how to run CNC routers, shop bots, laser engravers, plasma metal cutters. And we've invested, because we see this growing interest and in this sort of merging these two groups of students, we've invested in some new machines. And it's really fun to see our graphic design students, instead of just hitting print, going deeper into the design process and sort of taking their pieces apart and then reassembling them and actually building them in actual materials instead of just on the screen. And Christy, how can we better prepare teachers to integrate technology and art for K-12 students? Probably in the last five to 10 years, things have sort of changed a lot in how we prepare teachers, art teachers, for any kind of teaching context, but specifically in the K-12 classrooms, as we're seeing a STEM to STEAM push and a lot of project-based and collaborative learning environments crop up. What we're seeing is when students arrive in the undergraduate classes, they're wanting that kind of sort of integrated learning already. So it provides a unique place for us, I think, to prepare future teachers to kind of give them enough of each thing that they can apply it in whatever setting that they're going to teach in, but also for their own creative work. So one of the things that has changed at UMass Dartmouth in the past few years is we have now in the foundation year a digital essentials course which is sort of like a little bit, like little tastes of all of these like fun things that um, Mitch was just mentioning, like the CNC router and the laser engraver and the 3D printers and all that kind of fun stuff. But it's also like applied skills, like a little bit of Photoshop and how to, how to get at what you need. And I think trying to help them with the resources like do you go to lynda.com or is there a YouTube video that will show you how to do whatever it is you're trying to do. And then the other big thing that we decided to implement in art education specifically is to include a class called technology for the K to 12 classroom. It goes through a little, again, a little bit of everything where we're talking about how to use technology for instruction. How are we using technology for assessment? How are we using technology for documentation? And how are we using technology for creation? Because ultimately, as teachers, they're going to need all of that. And we're also really focusing on when is it appropriate to use technology and when is it sort of just appropriate to use, you know, pencil and paper, which is fantastic as well. We follow the SAMR principles of substitution, augmentation, modification, and redefinition to help our students figure out when technology is appropriate. Sometimes it's just like a total swap and other times the technology makes things possible that wouldn't be possible otherwise. Christy, bring up a good topic for consideration. How do we balance digital tools and handiwork? 
Well, it's interesting, uh, Christy, if I could start. Um, we've got some collaborations with some local high schools that are already sort of building these maker spaces, sort of combining their industrial arts with their art departments, and they're doing 3D printing and carving. And so we've got some students that are coming in as freshmen that are already almost ready to sort of teach their peers how to use some of these tools and technologies. That said, um, we're kind of trying to work on our curriculum. Curriculum is an ongoing living thing. But we're introducing maybe some makerspace core to our uh, professional graphic design core and our exhibit design core, which is unique to Bemidji State. And so we've got students that are really responding to this because they're moving beyond sort of this theoretical book learning. A lot of them you find that you actually do need to set down the computer and pick up the paper and pencil or pick up the piece of wood. And so when they get to actually get involved in the construction of some of these products that they've been brainstorming, that's um, reflexive, right? It comes back and they modify their design. It's like an architect that's never been to the job site. How are you designing this so that people can actually build it? And so I see a lot of light bulbs go off in people's heads where we're talking about the use of that technology when it's appropriate. Then we're actually trying to design to use this technology. And then we're sort of assessing, was that worth it? Was that a waste of our time? Did we spend so much time trying to figure out the CNC code that we could have just done it with a jigsaw? And that's also a really good conversation for you know a new maker or young designer. Yeah, I would agree. I think our students are really looking for those integrated and project-based opportunities where there's really just so many possibilities where if they have an idea, then they just kind of need us to help them figure out what is the most efficient and what is the best path to make whatever it is they have in their head. And a lot of times it is just about learning a new technology or implementing something or integrating something in a different way or use, you know swapping out the material. But it's really, it is a design process, I think. And even, you know, when we're talking about curriculum and how to bring it back into the classroom, it's still, it's still design thinking and how, how are we going to do this? How are we going to solve this problem? And how can we best address this issue using technology or not? You know, I think it's going to be really exciting in the next 10 years, because I think it's just going to keep changing and keep evolving to the point where we're really going to need for them to teach them to be resourceful. You know, um, it makes me think too, Christy, um, not only are they really excited, but they're just so much more adept. Now I've got millennial students and uh, they didn't even know who Prince was until they found out he died, right? <laughs> We've got students that have never had a corded phone and most of them have been introduced to tablet technologies early on in their lives. You know, as teachers, we don't have to have all the answers. We just have to have the keys and know how to make the things turn on the lights and make the machines go. And, and when they're ready, when they ask the question, they're ready to go through that door and do that. And I'm a little more concerned as an instructor about, well, I guess, their spirit, their, their artist sensibility. You know, and back to your pencil and paper, you need to sketch. You need to have an original uh, hand mark in this world of tools and technologies. Where is your gesture? Where is your point of view? And so it's kind of fun to just let the tools sort of handle themselves, make sure people are running things safely. But then I get to talk about, well, why? <laughs> you know, how do you feel about it? What is your voice? What is your problem that you're trying to solve? Design thinking is one of those things that hasn't really changed as far as a need for these students. Mitchell and Christy, how do you promote originality amid the temptation to copy and appropriate? Good question. Well, we have to stay up, up to date, don't we? I mean, we have to know what Pinterest is and what they're taking from it. I get a lot of Google images. I talk a lot about creating original images, talk about 
personal stories. I used to work at an ad agency times when I got in trouble for appropriating an image and that came back even several years later. I don't know, they look at it differently than I do, but I think keeping gesture in front of them, keeping sketching as an important part of this, uh, keeping photography and hand illustration as an important part of this process. And there's nothing like that. I made that feeling, right? And I think for originality in in art classrooms, it's tricky because it's it's a huge task to plan curriculum for an entire year for however many grades, for however many students you have, probably, you know, on unlimited resources. So one of the challenges is really, I think, about curriculum design and originality in in that. And I think it can be done very, very well, but it does take time and investment to do it. You know, for me, I really like to teach the curriculum design class, but it is really hard, probably the hardest one besides the student teaching practicum, because it it is rigorous and it really requires a lot of, you know, higher level, deep thinking, problem solving, and a lot of collaboration, which I think is something that doesn't come easy to, to everyone. For me, we do a lot of thematic-based units and lessons where really it's about the concept and then how do we best teach this concept and the art skills at the same time. And then it comes. So it's it's very much a backwards design model where we're looking for what are the outcomes and then how do we best get them there. And that also is very difficult for a lot of people who are like, well, I just want to make this. I've got bulletin boards I've got to put up and I've got an art show I've got to prepare for and I need the artwork to look good but we also need it to look different. So one of the things we really try to stress is, you know, what do you want? What do you want the students to learn? What do you want them to be able to demonstrate that they can do? And what is sort of the point? Like, how does this connect to their life? And usually if we can get them on that path, they can come up with really, really exciting assignments for their students that really do get them there, that push their students, that are meaningful, that are exciting. And I think once they start to see sort of the benefits and the outcome of doing that hard work, then they're less likely to go to Pinterest. I think I could use that class, Christy. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a question for you. Is a lot of this with your students at this point, you're introducing this kind of the first time, right? We're we're creating curriculum. Mm -hmm. Um, Is a lot of that analog or are they using the same sort of online tools at your university? My university uses Brightspace, but I know there's Mm -hmm. other ones out there. Are you building a lot of this now using educational technology or do you start them out analog? When I start them, I start them with markers on the whiteboard or markers on a giant piece of paper to do the mind maps just because it really does work better, right? (laughs) So But then we are inputting everything into various online platforms um, that are required. And then there's a lot of curriculum building software, right, as well. And we use like a lot of like Google Doc just because it's easy to collaborate when they're writing together. And And it's really good for me to give them feedback too, right? So I can give three people feedback on one, one document immediately. I know as a teacher myself, it's a hard road I've been going through learning just to use efficiently the Brightspace modules and build the class shells. The faculty, at least the faculty that I work with, there are a lot of different opinions as to the efficacy and the efficiency of these online curriculum modules. 
We have a program called Task Stream that we use for all of the education units at the university. And it does take a bit of getting used to, but I really like it because you can lay out your entire class. There's never any question about what they're supposed to do when. It has links, it has resources. You can attach PDFs, you can embed videos, you can make a website that links directly to it. It's, it's very, I find it incredibly helpful. Our students love task stream. They think it is the greatest thing. I see it always on my evaluations. They're like tweeting at task stream, how much they like it. It's, it's crazy, but I think it's really just because it's super organized. So when they're, you know, if you're, if you're teaching something like curriculum design, that has a lot of components and a lot of feedback loops and a lot of due dates because just of the, the content and, you know, the requirements for licensure and everything else that we're trying to fit into this one really rigorous class it's so much easier for them to kind of just move through and have it all in one place. So they're never, they're never guessing about how many points they earned or how it was graded or what the feedback was or when it was given because it was, it's all embedded in that space. For me, when I transitioned from the high school classroom to um, the university, I was surprised that the university wasn't doing more with that because we were required to do it in the high school that I taught in. <laughs> so I think it's good that we've sort of finally caught up, but I, I think in some respects, and, and perhaps it's also a funding issue, is that there are, there is a lot of funding for technology and for implementation of these things in the K-12 classrooms, but not as much external funding for higher education institutions here in Massachusetts, a lot of the schools have implemented Google Classroom, which is a fantastic tool, and it does a lot of really cool things, but it's only for K-12, to so it's hard for us to teach them how to do it because we can't access it the same way that the K-12 to classrooms are. So what we can do is teach them how to use Google tools, right? So how to do Google Slides, and then it becomes intuitive because they're sort of familiar with the interface and they know where to go and where to look for certain things and then they can kind of figure it out. In our conversation, I heard the terms resourcefulness, adaptive, reflection. Tell me about the importance of life skills in your curriculum and teaching. Well, it's the university, right? That's that's our charter. I talk to them a lot. I have Sooner or later, every semester, I'd end up talking to my students about what you go to college to do. What did you come here to learn? What the main thing you leave with, hopefully, is you learned how to learn more than anything else. Being visual, um, being artists and designers, everybody's going to go on different tracks. But I tell them, you know, if you put in the time beyond what I've asked you to do, and you've learned all this software, and you're participating in this conversation, and you've got a good sense of art history now, that informs your industry. You'll walk into any collaborative situation. You might be the only designer in a room with programmers and marketers. You might be the only person that knows how to put good looking slides together. You have no idea exactly what your job's prospects or what those internships are gonna look like before you get to maybe what your ideal job position is. You might not even know what your ideal job position is. So those fundamental skills that I focus them on, knowing who they are, Knowing how to participate and collaborate in a team and use that design thinking, I think that they'll be able to integrate any new technology. Bemidji State, this department used to be really well known for model building. We were shipping out 100% of our graduates in the model building program to places like Disney and all sorts of places um, that were snapping up these students right away to make physically make architectural models. And that part of our program is almost gone. 
And right now for the last decade, we graduate almost all of our graphic designers, 95% as exhibit designers for the trade show and the exhibit industry. And they get snatched up at conferences. We go to Germany every three years and go to Las Vegas every year. And so a lot of them, it's almost a foregone conclusion which industry they're going into. But they're always surprised once they get into that internship, what the team looks like and what they're actually being asked to do. And they come back and say, gee, you know, Mitch, I'm sure glad that we did those interview skills. I'm sure glad that you made me work extra hard on Illustrator, even though I didn't like doing it, because I'm the only person in the office that does it. I think what we can do as, you know, folks in higher education is to model this for them, to be an example of how we also aren't afraid to learn and try new things or new instructional strategies or new technologies and say like, hey, let's figure it out together. When you teach, it's okay for you to say to someone like, I don't know what that Photoshop thing is, but I know how to find out what that Photoshop thing is and humanize it as well. Like we're the teachers, but we're not, you know, we don't know all of the information in the whole world, right? So I think the 21st century skills are super important. I think those are the skills that are going, they're going to use no matter what job they're in, no matter what, you know, where their life takes them, they're going to need to communicate with other people effectively. They're going to need to collaborate. They're going to need to be resourceful and they're going to need to figure it out. And I think part of what we really try to do is also teach them to advocate for themselves and for what they need. And I think in art classrooms, especially in K to 12, that's super important. So if you need something to make the learning great for your students, how do you get it? Is there a grant you can go for? Is it a matter of contacting the parents association? Like, how do you get what you need if it's not already there? And how do you figure out what you need? I think all of that is just how to be, how to be good citizens, how to be professional. And I think that that's really important. 